Last spring, you chose hardworking seed, but did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed perform on your acre. Because you can't fake performance. And bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com slash harvest. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my partner in crime. He is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, it's been another productive, active, busy week of covering the Broncos and podcasting for our great listeners. It has, and the madness is just starting with free agency around the corner, and I expect the Broncos to be very, very active, very aggressive. Then we have the draft next month. This is just beginning now, and I'm buckling in for what's going to be a bumpy ride. Free agency officially opens March 13th, but the legal tampering period officially opens two days before that, and as Albright said on yesterday's show, you can believe that all the meetings of the minds at the Combine where GMs and head coaches are running into player agents left and right – there have been some conversations already and, and probably some phone calls made. So anyway, we got a lot to get to today in our VIP mailbag. But first, a couple of quick matters of business. You guys follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Really easy to do. You can do it even now as you're listening to the show. Exit out of your preferred podcast listening app. Open up Twitter. Find at HuddleUpPod. Click the blue follow button and you're locked in. And what that does is it allows you to have your finger on the pulse of the show at all times so that you are up to date on everything Zach and I are cooking up in real time. Also take some time, as we said yesterday, props to everybody for contributing, getting our reviews up and over the 100 mark on iTunes. But for those of you who have not done that, take some time. It's real easy to do, just like the Twitter thing. You open up your iTunes, you go to the podcast, go down, leave a review. It doesn't have to be long-winded. It can be one or two sentences, really. I mean, it's up to you. But leave your review, give us that five-star rating, and you have no idea how much that can help Zach and I vault the show and and grow and reach new listeners. So yeah, great show planned for today. VIP mailbag, we always look forward to those. But uh, before we get to that, Zach, we got to talk about the blockbuster deal that finally took place. Yesterday's show, we, we talked to our friend Benjamin Albright about the Broncos needing some clarity on the Case Keenum front, Zach. And it finally, there was some movement on that on uh, late Thursday. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Keenum is being traded to the Redskins, and that's one suitor that I thought would be interested because they needed a veteran quarterback with Alex Smith no longer in the picture. They have Colt McCoy. He is going along with a seventh-round pick in 2020, and the Broncos are getting a sixth-round pick back in 2020. Uh, 20 also. So they're moving up a draft spot. They're eating a portion of Keenum's $7 million guaranteed contract. The Redskins will pick up another, uh, I think, half of it. So they're getting about $3 million back and moving up a draft pick and unloading a player who most people thought they would cut anyway. So I give Elway a ton of credit. It was a really, really big win by him uh, by trading Keenum. Yeah, this is a huge win because not only are the, the skins. So this whole thing 
stems from VIP members know this, by the way, about, I don't know, it was probably on the tail end of my time in Indianapolis. We reported on our VIP forum, MHH Insiders, that Case Keenum had suddenly had a change of heart and was willing to renegotiate his contract if it meant going to the right place. And so turns out that's exactly what happened. He said, look, I know I'm guaranteed that $7 million no matter what. I'm willing to play ball. In other words, the team that takes me, no, I, no, I do not expect you to take on my full $18 million salary. So that lubed the, the wheel, so to speak, opened up the way for him to land in Washington. So the, the as you said, Redskins are paying for half. The Broncos did, in order to incentivize him to do this, give him an additional half million dollars in a restructure bonus, according to Mike Kliss. So they pay $3.5 million of that $7 million. Skins get the other. All in, though, Zach, it's, what, $14 million in cap space created? Yeah. All together with the uh, Redskins taking on the three. And I think that's, like, you know, we talked about a major win by John Elway because that's a ton of cap space you can use to sign outside free agents, sign their own free agents. And, Chad, we talked about it walking around the convention center at the Combine. The only way a trade would have happened it was because there's no bridges that were burned between Keenum and Elway. And that was one thing that was enlightening in his press conference, Elway, was the fact that he would welcome Keenum back. And whether he was posturing or whether he was being genuine, it showed that the sides were still amicable. The sides are still still talking. And, and Keenum, uh, he knew he had some sort of leverage, and he he compromised. He said, okay, I'm willing to work with you. I'll actually making $500,000 more on right. this restructure than he would have made this year anyway. He goes to a team where he has a chance to start right away. Uh, Cole McCoy is not really standing in uh, too much of a competition there. So it's rare in the NFL you see a trade that truly benefits both sides, and this one does. But I give Elway a ton of credit for making it happen. Yep, and podcast listeners know this is one of the teams we've mentioned and the multiple talks we've had about Keenum getting dealt ever since Flacco was acquired via trade. Redskins are a great fit for Keenum. I mean, he's going to a West Coast boot action type of team or offense in which the 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 system plays to his strengths. And just like Benjamin Albright told us on yesterday's show, that was one of the disappointments to Keenum and why he was kind of relishing and looking forward to year two as a Bronco because he didn't feel like his coaches put him in the best position to succeed and play to his strengths. And now he's going to a team, you know, really captained offensively by Jay Gruden, who comes from that same West Coast zone running scheme, you know, philosophical bent basically that's that should ostensibly I mean it makes for a good match I'm pretty high on it and like you said Colt McCoy I mean I think he's a little bit underappreciated as far as you know he's probably one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league but Keenum coming off of starting 16 games and playing out a year completely healthy he's definitely got the leg up I look at it like a good audition for him this year. It's a prove it, you know, a place for him to land to rehab his value after crashing and burning in Denver. I mean, his stock was at an all-time high coming from the Vikings. And truth be told, he fell flat on his face as a starting quarterback. He proved that he wasn't that. But what he is is a great backup or a good spot starter. And that's what exactly what he'll be in Washington. But with Cole McCoy there, and assuming they don't draft a guy or sign another guy, he has a chance to start right away. And if he can put together some some good games, some good tape, he can cash in next offseason. So it's yep. truly a good win uh, all sides around. And I think, honestly, that's the type of environment, you know, far be it from us to be the armchair psychologist, you know. Sometimes I get flack on Twitter for saying what I'm about to say to you guys. But 
I think that's really the environment that Case Keenum needs to to be in in order to get the the most out of him. Obviously, you want to line up the X's and O's and put him, you know, as we just talked about, in a scheme and in a coaching situation with play calling that suits his skill set. But Keenum needs to feel the heat. He needs to feel a sense of urgency. Obviously, as uh, coming into Denver as as a as a player in which the team had fully invested in him, and when I say fully, obviously his two year deal turned out being one. But invested meaning showed him the love, gave him the money, unquestioned starter. He didn't have to compete for his job, and as the guy, he didn't play. He what he didn't push himself. He needs something pushing him from behind. He needs some sense of urgency, some threat of loss, because mo- human beings are motivated by one you're, one of two things at, at, at bottom, and that is hope of gain or fear of loss. And franchise quarterbacks, true franchise quarterbacks, they're not necessarily motivated by fear of loss. They're gr- truly great franchise caliber players, Zach, because they're always hoping for more. They want that next thing. They're never satisfied. They're hungry. They're chasing that next win, the next accomplishment, the next you know world championship, whatever. Keenum's a guy that operates best, bottom line, when he feels like he's got something to lose. Yeah, without a doubt, the Broncos emotionally and financially invested in Keenum last year to be a franchise quarterback. They thought they were getting a guy who was 30 years old and his best football was still yet to come. And their plan backfired, quite frankly. He wasn't that guy. He was not a franchise quarterback. He was barely an upgrade on Trevor Simeon. But I think I agree with you, Chad, in this environment with a better coaching staff, at least a more competent one on the offensive side, with a a true competition and maybe with less expectation also, maybe not the weight on the world of his shoulders, you know, playing for John Elway. It's a more conducive environment for Case Keenum. I think he could thrive there. I don't know too much about Washington. I know they have uh, guys, they have a good running game. They have some uh, good receivers out there, but he needs to come in and he needs to prove his worth once again. I agree with the premise that you're making is that he's a guy who thrives, a journeyman on pressure, on competition. Mm -hmm. He thrives best when his back's against the wall. And the Broncos totally placated him last year. They treated him like he was a QB1 and he wasn't. So I am interested personally to see what he can do in Washington because I think he'll get his chance sooner than later. And, uh, you know, just as you would expect, this triggered a lot of questions on Twitter from fans asking me, hey, does this, you know, point to, even though we all knew something like this was happening, he was either getting traded or cut. But this movement has triggered more questions on social, which we're going to get to a VIP mailbag here in just a minute. But the questions being, you know, doesn't this point to the Broncos absolutely having to go in on a quarterback this year? And my answer to everybody remains the same. The Broncos will come out of this draft with a young quarterback. The question is, what round? Right. I mean, like we talked about it all the time, Chad, on air, off air, they are going to take a quarterback. They are going to add to the stable. It's not going to be Joe Flacco and no one else behind him. It's just a matter of who. And I think obviously people speculate trading Case Keenum would put the Broncos more in that lock market. Obviously, that's the popular dot to connect. I don't think that really moves the, the meter one way or the other. I do know that I think by round three, they will come away with a quarterback, whether it's Drew Locke or whether it's a Jared Stidham. They're going to have a guy on the roster. I think that's a fact. Definitely a move that had to be made for the Denver Broncos. But we still have a VIP mailbag to get to. We're going to dive in as soon as we come back from break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so it is that time of the week where we take a peek inside the VIP edition of the Mile High Mailbag because Zach and I are your football priests, and each and every week we pride ourselves on 
offering you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions, and especially as it pertains to our valuable VIP subscribers over at milehighhuddle.com. First question here, Zach, comes from No Fly Zone 2125. He's going on 15 months being a VIP subscriber. Question, what do you see happening with Bradley Roby, considering he wants so much money? And with Darian Stewart gone, where do we sit with cap space, and what positions will he make a big run in? I assume he means Elway. I'm hoping free agency can be a big move for us this year. Will we get anything resolved with Keenum before free agency also? So I think we already addressed the, that tail end there, but your your answer for no fly zone on Roby, on cap space, on Stewart. I'll, I'll pull up cap space while you're talking about Roby and Stewart. Uh, Roby, you know, people think he, it's so outrageous that he wants $10 million a year reportedly, but it's not that outrageous. It's the very, very weak free agent cornerback market, and they tend to get overpaid. And he was a starter for a pretty good defense for a number of years, or at least a key contributor. He's going to get a lot of money. He's going to get a pretty good payday, and the Broncos are not going to come close to that. He's gonna keep, They're going to keep him on speed dial. He's going to be a backup option, but they're looking to upgrade a number two and number three behind Chris Harris Jr. Roby is not in the immediate plans. He's a plan C or plan D. I I don't expect him back. Um, I expect someone like Bryce Callahan in free agency, maybe like DeAndre Baker, Byron Murphy in the draft. They are going to prioritize the, the secondary a lot. And they have right now, roughly after the release of Darian Stewart, I think about $23.5 million in salary cap space. That would it's going to come up more after Marshall comes off the books, Keenum yeah. comes comes off the books. They're going to have some money to play around with, and they're going to prioritize that secondary with a corner and a safety. Yeah, so – if you go strictly by overthecap.com, they ha- who is, in terms of media, league circles, the most trusted source for this, the Broncos currently sit at $34.5 million in team cap space. Now that number can skyrocket with a resolution on Case Keenum. It can <clears throat> continue to grow with resolution on other players who might also be perhaps on the bubble or at least candidates to be cap casualties so you definitely want to keep a, an eye on some of these guys but i think i don't know now that i think about it zach other than a possible emmanuel sanders trade i can't really think of any str- i mean brandon marshall resolved darian stewart resolved ronald leary resolved jared Velder's a free agent i think that pretty much covers the guys that were really in the conversation for being cap casualties and someone like Pecco, you know, and people that they, they don't want to bring back. And right. some of the roster holes with the positions that they're going to target, we know the outcome there. And now it's a matter of getting those starters, filling those needs, getting those backups, those, you know, those reserve players, and bringing back some of their own free agents. They have restricted free agents they're deciding on, exclusive rights free agents, unrestricted free agents. They're going to dabble here, and they're going to do it with a combination of free agency and the draft. But most of their own guys, though, most of their unrestricted free agents, they're not going to welcome back. All right, next question here in the mailbag comes from Arctic Bronco, going on two months of being a VIP subscriber. Arctic Bronco says, I would like to know how the Broncos grade prospects, such as 1 through 100, A, B, C, D, F, uh, narrative, bubble guy, starter, potential pro bowler, comparable, blocks like Lali, haha, closes like gold, some combination of the above or something else. Now, that's Arctic Bronco's question. None of us know exactly the scouting system or grading system the Broncos use. Those That information is so closely guarded. I mean, yeah. here's an example. Uh, this this will at least give us a chance to, to talk about this subject. You've heard me on the podcast talk many times about the book War Room that I recently read, 
which I forgot to send give you to take home with you, bro, at the at the combine. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Um, I, I woke up on the floor and I was wondering what this <laughs> is gonna come in my suitcase with me. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> All right. So anyway, the war room, the whole thing is about basically how Bill Belichick had this overarching philosophy that he wanted to hone as a as a you know what's a good word for it like a a prototype that he could use and no matter who came into the scouting department no matter who came into front office coaching levels it was a language that they could all use and it made sense and it was productive and it worked now they talk about it in that book through 300 some odd pages but they they'll never going to go into the specific details of what that grading system is and exactly how it shakes out. Now, one thing that's interesting reading War Room to keep in mind is that Matt Russell, who is now obviously one of the key front office guys in terms of personnel with John Elway, he used to be a scout for the New England Patriots. So he has access, or he at least has been exposed to that grading system, the same one that Bill Belichick basically was the brainchild behind, but had other people helping him to kind of hone it and whittle it down like Scott Pioli. So I think the Broncos have probably married some of those philosophies into how they view things, at least through Matt Russell. But neither one of us know exactly how the Broncos grade prospects. Right, and it, I'll share just a quick anecdote. When I covered FAU, when I went to FAU, I, t- I covered recruiting, and I talked to uh, one of the coaches, one of the offensive coaches there, who did recruiting, very active in that department, and he gave me a, a letter system, A, B, C, D, F. Every team is different. Every school is different. They Some go by numbers, some go by letters. A was a, a no-brainer, a slam-dunk guy. B was an offerable guy. C was you need more information, and D was unlikely, and F was rejected. So every team has those kind of scales. They keep it super secret, though, because the NFL – is a cutthroat business. I mean, it's a very, very secretive business. Bill Belichick was way ahead of that trend. And we don't know how Elway grades his prospects. We just know who he leans on. We know uh, who he tends to gravitate to, the kinds of players he likes. Right. We don't know specifically uh, how he determines what players are draftable. But you can gar- you can count on the fact that within that grading scale, Arctic Bronco, the Broncos absolutely have. They don't draft guys to be bubble guys unless it's like a, you know, what the hell, we just ended up with an extra seventh-round pick type thing that rarely happens. Most guys, if they're drafted at any point, are they're, they're upside. They're, they're drafted because they expect to, at the very least, unseat someone who's currently on the roster. So maybe that's it might not be immediate, like someone like Isaac Yadam drafted in 2018 to eventually step up and replace a Bradley Roby if needed as a starter in 2019. So it's not always immediate, but yeah, you have grades on. This is a guy we have graded as a immediate impact day one starter. Here's a guy we 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 have graded as a you know future Pro Bowler. Here's a solid starter. Here's a backup guy that we view as a number six or number seven offensive lineman. So they definitely have those type of prototypes weaved into that grading system. Right, and, and but we just don't know. And it's it's never going to be public information, never going to be public record. Elway is as secretive as they come. He holds his, his cards close to his vest. Uh, we just know what, what we go on by hearing reports, what we hear from our sources. And as it's closer to the draft, things leak out. But uh, that Dove Valley vault is sealed. That war room is closed off tight. Elway keeps the circle small. All right, so next question comes from Bo Weiss on the VIP Forums MHH Insiders. He's going on one month as a VIP subscriber. Now, that could mean he signed up yesterday, but on the forum, it would show going on one month. So, 
question is, how much say or input will Vic Fangio have on the draft board, and who is an underrated corner to keep an eye on for the Broncos in later rounds? Isaiah Johnson tested well as an athlete, but isn't as refined as the top guy. Could he be in play, or is he not a fit for the scheme? Well, starting off with the, the low-hanging fruit there, Zach, Vic Fangio, he's, gonna, he's definitely going to have an impact. The question is, how much of an impact? But I think we're already starting to see, Zach, how Fangio's input on the roster is bearing on, on just the recent events of the last couple of days, like with Darian Stewart being gone, the Broncos trying to get younger at specific positions. If, if Vic Fangio came into this scenario, Zach, and wanted Darian Stewart to stick around, John Elway would make an, an exception to keep Darian Stewart here. That's, that's yeah. just an example. Yeah, Elway has final say. It's his baby to quote Vic Fangio. But w- one thing we learned about Elway this year is he's a lot more open to ideas now. He's taking more input from other sources. And I think he actually respects Fangio. I don't think he respected Vance Joseph. So now that he has a guy who thinks he, he knows is his equal and not his in his lesser, I think he'll, he'll be more open. I think we've seen that, as you said, so far. So he'll have big input, but the final say obviously lies with John Elway. Yeah, and on the topic of corners... One guy to keep an eye on who I know the Broncos met with at the Combine, and I'm going to botch his name from Penn State, the corner, six foot one. He's that long, tall type of prototype that, similar to Aqib Tlaib in terms of his build, is Amani Awarie. Now, this is a guy at Penn State the Broncos have shown interest in, but, you know, he might not necessarily, Zach, be the late-round gem that he is, our listener, our VIP is getting at there, but he's a guy that's low-key, that, might be had by the Broncos day two. Doubt he drops to day three, but he's a guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I'm really not concerning myself too much with the late-round cornerback prospects. I think it's moot when it comes down to it because the Broncos will prioritize corner within the first three rounds. So um, there are some later prospects, and I think Bovice mentioned one that I like a lot. But to me, a dark horse, relatively speaking to their need, would, would be Byron Murphy. I think DeAndre Baker will be a serious consideration number 10. So I, I think I'm not even concerning myself too much with the late-round corners. Yeah, keep an eye on Byron Murphy. I mean, if he's there at pick 10 and Drew Locke's gone and Devin White's gone, he might be the pick for your Denver Broncos. All right, next question here comes from Paul826, going on three months as a VIP. Paul says, if all the quarterbacks are gone by pick 10, shouldn't we move down if there's no Devin White or no Ed Oliver available? Thanks. Your answer for Paul. Well, not all the quarterbacks are going to be gone. You have Daniel Jones, Will Greer, you know, Stidham. So they're going to have some quarterback options. I, you know, I assume he means the, the big four or the right. big three. Um, but, you know, it's uh, they have so many needs. So they, they shouldn't really typecast themselves as one team that needs one position. They need so many holes, and they're going to have, like I said on the last pod, uh, guaranteed to, la- uh, to land a blue-chip prospect at a position of need. Whether it's a linebacker, a corner, um, a defensive lineman, a, t- a tackle, a guard, they need every one of those players. So even if a quarterback's off the board, they shouldn't get down on themselves. They shouldn't panic. They should sit tight and take a player who's going to be a day-one contributor, day-one starter, and hopefully a future pro bowler. And if one of the blue-chip guys does start falling and the Broncos don't love that guy and the people that they had, the prospects they had their hearts set on are gone – yeah, they'll be in a prime position to trade back and maybe stockpile an additional pick or two in this draft and in next year. So certainly something to keep an eye on. But there will be 
there's enough talent there in the top 10 that the Broncos shouldn't be in a situation where they're having a hard time making a pick. So it just comes down to who's still there on the board and so much time left to go. I'm just sitting here thinking about all the, all the podcasts we have left to do between now and the draft. I mean, this topic is so keen and crucial on the minds of Broncos country because here we are again, the Denver Broncos, in the top 10 picking in back-to-back years. This is Bradley Chubb seemed like a solid pick at this point, one year removed, 12 sacks as a rookie. I wish they would have taken a quarterback there, but they didn't. But that was a good pick. I maintain, Zach, if they get quarterback in this draft, Elway gets to have his cake and eat it too. Now, last question here. From Christy, awesome listener, 18 months as a VIP subscriber. She says, I have heard Elway and company say that we'll see what happens in free agency multiple times. Which positions will be absolutely imperative for the Broncos in free agency? If we see them go wild in free agency, do you think that means that they'll be all in for luck? Also, I still want a football priest shirt to happen. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you the best. So thank you, Christy. You're awesome. Um, it's in We're the gonna works. get those shirts though. Yeah. yeah, it's certainly something in the works. The problem is this time of year and with the combine and everything that's happened, Zach and I just haven't had a chance to breathe. So probably, I don't know, Zach. Maybe sometime between the end of the draft and when OTA start, that's maybe something we can focus our attention yeah, on sure. and, and knock that out. But they're coming. We're gonna do some merch for the podcast and for the website, and then we're gonna make that available to our listeners. And we'll throw some around for, you know, as, as like raffles and giveaway stuff for VIPs and, and stuff like that. So it's coming. Stay patient. I promise you it's coming. But what do you think as far as the main crux of her question, which positions will be imperative for the Broncos in free agency? And if they go wild, do you think that means they're going to be all in on Drew Locke? You, you got to address the secondary first and foremost. You know, you just lost a starting safety. You're down to one healthy corner, one one corner in general pretty much with Chris Harris Jr. That's going to be the main priority, and I wouldn't be surprised if Elway has a contract ready to go, ready to be signed at 12.01 on Monday morning when the tampering window opens for Adrian Amos, the Bears' safety. Uh, it just makes too much sense there. It feels a starting need, a player who knows the defense with, from Chicago. But they're going to address O-line. They have, um, you know, some depth depth issues at linebacker, inside line linebacker they need they need a front seven for Domitop Peco maybe if Shelby Harris is in the guy a lot of defensive needs and a great defensive coach to lend his input to John Elway and I I also tend to agree with with the logic that if they go wild if they start to spend wildly they're in win now mode and it wouldn't necessarily mean that they're going to draft Drew Locke at number 10 they're just setting themselves up to contend and to take that best player whoever it may be whether it's Locke whether it's Ed Oliver even Chad whether it's anyone else um, if they go wild this year and they hand out mega contracts to me it signals that Elway wants to put off for a build for one more year and he really thinks as I came away thinking from the combine that he can contend and win a Super Bowl with 34 year old Joe Flacco right I mean the issue for Vic Fangio and you see this with head coaches hired across the league is whether they're a defensive guy or an offensive guy they arrive and they want to get at least one player into their system who has experience playing with them. And there's a lot of reasons why, but the biggest being that they can kind of communicate and be that go between almost like a, almost like a, you know, they're, they're a player and they're a coach at the same time, helping the players acclimate to the new scheme, whether it's offense or defense that that head coach is bringing in. So you see it time after time after time, Vic Fangio, it's a no brainer too. It kills multiple birds with one stone. The Broncos have to, 
bolster that secondary because not only did they lose a starter this past week in Darian Stewart, but they're losing another one in Bradley Roby. At least all signs point to that. They're going to let him test the market. There's a chance they'll re-sign him. But odds are Roby's gone too. So that's a massive, massive need. And if I'm the Denver Broncos, that's the first thing I'm focusing on is shoring up my secondary, making myself feel a little bit more comfortable and confident there, especially for Vic Fangio, who's coming in, going to be calling plays for the first time on the sideline. So some moving targets there that you want to make him feel a little bit more comfortable in his first year as a head coach. And then from there, I think it's it's going to come down to, are they going to re-sign Jared Valdir or not? Is Jared Valdir going to be willing to take maybe a little bit less money that he might be able to find in the short term on the open market for a two or three year deal to stay in Denver. If he's not willing to play ball on that front, I think you'll see the Broncos go out and try and spend some money on like Jawan James from uh, Miami Dolphins. So, and then again, the other wild card here, Zach is CJ Mosley. If the Ravens in fact cut bait there, I think you'll see the Broncos make a strong effort to sell out to get him. But another low key guy, I know he's old and it doesn't really fit the trend that we're seeing the Broncos do here, but the Ravens cut Eric Weddle this past week as well, yeah. and he's been a Raven. I think it's three years in a row now. I'll check Wiki after I serve this back over to you, make sure I'm not lying to the listeners, but each year he made the Pro Bowl. So it's not like he's fallen off a cliff in the same way that Darian Stewart did. He's getting closer to that, you know, that limit switch where Father Time, he remains undefeated. But I think Eric Weddle could be brought in for a year or two if you're really trying to push for a championship or compete and contend. He's the guy that could come in and help you in the short term get your defense to that next level. First of all, this this safety class is stacked, Chad. I mean, from Landon Collins to Amos to HaHa Clinton Dix to Weddle to Tyron Matthew. I mean, there's so many good safeties on the market. The Broncos are going to be fishing for one. They should reel one back in, a good one. Uh, Weddle, he knows Flacco, obviously. That would be a good mix there. But my guy is, is Amos because... Like you talked about, it's an on-field coach for the Broncos, and that is so invaluable for a new defensive system, a new scheme, a new coach, uh, a really a new transitioning team this year, a transitioning franchise, entering what they don't think is a rebuild, even though it is. Uh, they're going to be in the market, and I'm, I'm telling you that they're going to address the secondary first. And Elway's going to let free agency play out. He's not going to resign his own players until he think, thinks or sees he can upgrade on his other players that he has starting already. So if he can't get Jawan James, then he'll resign uh, Jared Valdir. If he can't get Bryce Callahan, then they might resign Bradley Roby. That's what I'm saying. So right. if they're going to be aggressive, um, but they have a, a lot of needs to fill, and I think it starts in the secondary. By the way, Weddle did go to the Pro Bowl every year. He was with the Ravens. So he's been to six Pro Bowls as a pro, three with the Chargers, and three with the Ravens. Now, his two All-Pro, or excuse me, five All-Pro selections came with the Chargers. So he didn't make All-Pro as a Raven, but three years in a row went to the Pro Bowl. So again, if it's short-term, two-year deal, you bring him in and get what's, you know, extract what's left of his career, I think he does have one or two more I mean, Pro Bowl caliber safety seasons left in the tank. So, but one good thing, you brought it up. I mean, this is a completely stacked safety free agent class. And the good news, what that means for the Broncos, this is kind of low key that no one's really talking about, is that it's going to drive down the cost of contracts. Because if you, you know, flood the market with inventory in an economics, you know, sense, it's going to drive down cost. So, right. You're going to see the one or two or three guys get big deals like Earl Thomas. We'll see what happens with Eric Berry if he ends up hitting the market too. Earl Thomas, Adrian Amos will probably get a deal, and then Landon Collins. Those three guys, one of them will set the market out of the gates 
My bet is it's probably going to be Landon Collins, maybe Earl Thomas. Adrian Amos is kind of that next tier. I think the Broncos can get him on the relative cheap, but they also have to go into that as much as he's a Fangio guy going, look, we want you. Here's what we're willing to pay. If you don't like it, you know, we can go after an Eric Weddle or someone else like that or a Kareem Jackson that's also on the market that can come in and make an impact right away too. Yeah, I, I don't really advocate for overspending, and I know Elway sticks to his number when it comes to negotiating, but I would even suggest coming up a little bit for Adrian Amos. I mean, it's just there, there's so much to like. There's so many dots to connect with him. He would be cheaper than Landon Collins, I feel like. He's better in coverage. He knows the system. You probably get him for around 6 to $7 million per year, which is good on a $3, 4000000 year million dollar contract. They were paying Darian Stewart more than that. So if you can get an upgrade for him for less, that's a win yeah. there. Collins, I think, would be 8 to $9 million. Uh, like you said, Chad, the more safeties on the market, none of them are going to get you know, break the bank. None of them are going to get $11, $12 million. But I think Collins will set the pace there, and Amos will come just short of that in the 6-7 to seven range. You heard it. All right, you guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast, VIP Mailbag Edition. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jansen. Follow the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod, and do your duty. Leave a creative review. Rate the show, especially on iTunes. We'll be back on Monday to drop some more knowledge. We'll see what's happening. I'm sure there's going to be more of these dominoes that are going to fall around the league on certain players being cut, certain players being tagged, or certain players uh, being extended. So we'll we'll probably have a lot more to talk about, too, when we come back to you Monday. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you guys, have a great weekend. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.